hey, somebody help me say thank you to all this worship team, will you? Now, we've got, uh, we've got a fresh piano playing in the cafe, a little lounge music, and there is a tip jar, I believe, available for you. Uh, But it is good music in there, and there is good food in there. And so if they're still coming in, that's just fine. Be sure, as folks are coming in, to practice the eyebrow raising. Everybody do it together. Raise your eyebrows. Okay, that helps them know that we're happy that they're here. All right, everybody say Emmanuel. Emmanuel. That is the, we are in this short series in December. Emmanuel, a celebration of the incarnation. Now, for the handful of you that are saying, hey, wait a minute, I thought we were in that series called Virtues. Well, we still are, but when I said last week, we're going to talk about godliness, and you were all silent, <laughs> I thought maybe we needed a change of pace. No, that's not the reason why. Um, but don't worry, we're, the next virtue we're going to cover will be self-control. So get your joy on about that in January. All right, that'll be great for January. But I feel, I feel yeah, yeah, oh boy. Um, but I feel, I feel we feel pressed to uh, ask the Lord to lead us into a celebration of the incarnation. And that is why we've even modified our service format a little bit to conclude each of these services, each of them. I haven't made that clear yet, but all four, four weekends in December, we will have communion. And which includes Christmas Sunday. So for, for the next three, concluding today, we are, have, we are gathering around the Lord's table at the close of each message on purpose because we are, I believe, under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, leaning into this celebration of the incarnation that God came near. And the whole point this morning, spoiler alert, is this. He came near so that you can come near. Because we can, I want to urge you to draw near. I'm getting way ahead of myself. Any homiletician would say, save this for the end. But I want to urge you, if you have been someone who has hung back, withdrawn, hear the scriptures urge you and feel the gravity of the incarnation. Let us draw near. Emmanuel. Matthew chapter 121 says that his name shall be called Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. We call him Emmanuel, God with us. Somebody say God with us. That God, that Emmanuel means God himself with us. It's not a nickname. It's not a slogan. It's not like may God be with you or may the force be with you or something nonsensical like that. It is a statement of reality that God himself, God, very God is with us in Christ. And the, even the name itself, Emmanuel, Emmanuel, El, Elion, the Most High God. Try to feel, if you will, the weight and the wonder of that. The Most High God is with us. Theologically, we call that the incarnation. God taking on flesh, the, the enfleshment of God in Jesus Christ our Lord. I want, us, I want to invite you today and in the next couple of weekends 
to lean into the significance of the incarnation, to consider just some of what it means that God came near. Let's read from John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, and then verse 14, as John articulates the wonder of the incarnation. John chapter 1, we'll take this one bite at a time. Are you ready? John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word. John intentionally, he is the only gospel writer that takes the the introduction to the gospel and connects the gospel to the creation account. He He is both presenting something new and yet connecting it to what always has been. In the beginning, he said, was the word, the word. In the Greek, that's logos. Somebody say logos. In the Greek, that's logos. To the Greeks, this was an important word. Logos was, a, was not just a word, it was a concept. It was a, a philosophical ideal. To the Greeks, logos was the answer to what is the beginning. Logos was the answer to what is the origin of all things made. To the Greek philosophers... Not only did logos mean the spoken word, but it it meant the essence of thought. And more powerfully, hear this. To the Greek philosophers, logos described the rational, sentient principle that governed the universe. They believed there was a rational, there was a sentient principle principle that was somehow governing all things. And they, call, they called it Logos. And John says, this is Jesus. This is Jesus. To the Jews, word, the idea of this word, this concept, uh, in the Hebrew, it would, it would have been debar, but it was also significant. It referred to Yahweh. It referred to his life-filled breath and the supreme authority of his voice. It pertained to his power of creation and redemption and his standard of righteousness. And to this, John says, this is Jesus. He continues, and the word was with God and the word was God and he was with God in the beginning. Oh, that's very poetic. It could have been an early hymn. It could have been an early creed. But the most dramatic assertion in that claim is this. The word was God. Would you say it out loud? The word was God. This is Jesus. I'm hoping that we're letting John inflate our wonder and amazement meter that we are that we are be, we are becoming com- uh, overwhelmingly wonderized by the person of Jesus just who this magnificent person is so he continues in verse 3 through him all things were made without him nothing was made that has been made through the word all things came into existence everything owes its existence to Jesus Then verse 4 continues, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Light and life and darkness, all of these are elements in the creation story in Genesis. And like the light, 
broke into the darkness at creation, initiating and enabling life, the word is the light that brings life to humanity. And the darkness has not, cannot overcome it. This life, this light is Jesus. Oh. And now verse 14. The word became flesh. The word became flesh and made his dwelling. He dwelt among us. He tabernacled among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John says the word, this magnificent, that which, that sentient presence that's governing the universe, the, the, the very breath of God, the very essence of, and power of creation itself, the word became flesh. Take a moment, just feel the skin of your own hands. It doesn't say that he took the form of flesh, but he became actual flesh. In fact, it's a pretty strong and almost crude word here, flesh. It stresses just how fully human Jesus was. Flesh refers to the whole person. Come on, say the whole person. The word Jesus became a whole, real, fully human person. And in so doing, he revealed the glory of God. The glory of God is revealed in the incarnation of Jesus Christ. And he brought grace and truth. This is Jesus. The word became flesh. God came near. He entered into our skin. He entered into our experience as us. Why is that significant? Again, volumes could be written to, uh, to extol its significance, but let's just identify three points of significance for the next three weeks. Number one, it is significant because we can know that we are fully loved by God. Fully loved, not just really loved. I'm not talking about an intensity, but a completeness. Not just really love, like, yeah, you really love me. You re no, you love me completely from stern to stem, top to bottom, inside and out. You are fully loved. Now, all of these three are connected and require each other, but if you are, because you are fully loved, the second thing is the incarnation teaches us that we can and should fully love God. And thirdly, because of the incarnation, we can and should fully love one another. But today, we can know that God fully loves us. How do we know that? Let me just give you three, four reasons why. We can know that God loves us fully because of when God came near. Someone say when. Because of when God came near. When did he come near? Romans chapter five and verse eight. While we were yet sinners. 
Here's Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this while we were still sinners. You could say still sinning. That's a little grosser, but probably better. Can you, can you see that? Can you feel that? While we were still sinning, Christ died for us. But sinners is more than just sinning. It's, 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 your identity. it's your identity based on your activity. While you were still identified and defined by your sin. Sin is ugly. It's gruesome. It's horrible. It's abominable. It's disgusting. And yet, people still, every once in a while, think they should give it a whirl. Well, maybe I'll try it out. Maybe it'll be okay this time. You know, like that seventh dessert trip. Well, maybe this time it'll feel better. Sin never pays off. It always destroys, always, always decays, always ends up in death. Sin is abominable. God, God hates sin so much, he sent his son to take it from us. And yet, while we were still indulging in this anathema, when did he come near while we were still sinning? <clears throat> Think about that just for a moment. Let it, let it press upon your heart that God did not wait for your perfection to draw near. All these principles are going to overlap, but in two weeks when we talk about loving one another, we're going to have to acknowledge that we can't wait for perfection to love one another. God did not wait for your perfection, but it gets worse. He didn't even wait until it got pleasant. We were imperfect and impleasant, and he still came near. Consider that. God did not abandon us in our sin, but he valued us and loved us and rescued us even in the midst of it. And hear this with your hearts today. If he did not abandon you as, as a sinner, he will not ever abandon you as his redeemed. You are fully loved. God came near. Secondly, we know that he loves us fully because of how he came near. Not just when, but how. Somebody say how. How, how he came near. How did he come near? Well, two of the four <clears throat> gospel accounts provide what we call the birth narrative. They tell the story that Jesus was born a long time ago in Bethlehem. So the Holy Bible say. If you don't know that song, then you need to play some albums. Vital. Two of the four gospel accounts tell us that Jesus is conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of a woman. Look, if he just appeared out of a rock or out of a plant or sprang up out of the water, that would have been cool. That would have been neat. That would have been one more mythological Greek story about someone we could never identify with, isn't one of us, and could never redeem us. Might be able to conquer us, might be able to impress us, but could never redeem us, could never restore us. 
But instead, the creator of the cosmos became a zygote and entered the world through the womb of a woman. God values humanity. He entered into and thereby sanctified and affirmed every stage of human life. What is conceived in her, the angel said, what is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Conception. Conception was identified, sanctified, honored, revered by heaven itself. Conceived. So we are then required to recognize the sanctity of human life at every stage. Because God came near. And if that doesn't jazz you enough, uh, jazz you up enough yet. Furthermore, he came as a gender. walking to see who's going to shout and who's going to leave. <laughs> Austin, pay attention to our viewers, whether they either shot up or they went off. <laughs> he came as a gender. What? He came as a gender. Wait a minute, not done yet. He came as one predetermined by heaven. Yes. Nobody even voted. <laughs> that he did is significant and holy. That he did requires that we recognize and honor the glory of God in unique gender distinctions. His coming sanctifies and affirms that the glory of God is expressed in male and female. That God became man affirms all that it means to be human is God's idea. Everything that it means to be human is God's idea. And because of that, we should see ourselves through the truthful lens of his loving design. We should see ourselves through the truthful lens of his loving design. The incarnation affirms and redeems that which has been true from the beginning, that to be human is to bear the image of God. And we have no permission to despise or to dismiss any part of our humanity. You have no permission to treat yourself with contempt. You are not your own. You are an image bearer. Genesis 1, 26 and 27, God said, let us make mankind in our own image, in our own likeness, let us make him. Male and female, he created in his likeness, in his image. To be human is to be the image bearer of God. Now, this is a unique biblical worldview. And it's important that we recognize that it's unique in our world. 
There are a host of other worldviews. But the biblical worldview says this. You have intrinsic, assigned, stamped value. You have value because you are an image bearer. It has nothing to do with your appearance, nothing to do with your performance, nothing to do with your contribution. You have intrinsic value because you're an image bearer. And we'll get to all of that. That means that's going to affect how we treat one another. It must govern how we treat one another. It must absolutely outlaw the horrors that mankind does to each other. We'll get to that. But it's important that we realize that we live in a world that says people, people are valuable because of their contribution. They're only valuable if they contribute something. They're only valuable as long as, they, as long as their appearance holds up, as long as they remain one of the beautiful people. There are whole world quasi, not really religions, but call themselves religions that says you're only valuable if you submit. And if you don't submit, you're an infidel and you can be treated accordingly. There is no comparison with the Bible, with the God of the Bible. No comparison. The, God, the, the highest view of God requires the highest view of man. How did he come near? He came near, finally, as one who is fully loved. I would, again, I would love to say he came near as the beloved, but I worry that's, that the machismo in the room may go, oh, well, that's not, I'm not, hey, well, watch it. It's a little, little too fuzzy for me. I wasn't talking about you, Rick. I know that you're mature enough to handle I was talking about somebody else. Yeah. Uh, you knew who I'm talking to. He came near as one who is fully loved. Mark chapter 1, verse 11. Jesus enters into the waters of baptism. He comes out of the waters of baptism, is brought into vital contact with the Holy Spirit. And the very next thing that happens in Mark and in Luke is there is a voice. We need to pay attention to what that voice says and how it, and, and how it is said. Mark and Luke, both with a their own agenda and specifically detailed say this. The voice says, you are my beloved son. You are my son whom I love and whom I am well pleased. You are. Someone say you are. Yeah. Who's the voice talking to? Jesus. Later on, uh, later on, on the Mount of Transfiguration, he's talked to everybody else. Says, this is my beloved. Listen to him. That's different. That's different. Now he's just talking, this is Jesus. Has he done anything yet? No, no just got wet so far. That's it. <laughs> he got wet with everybody else. Just went through the waters of baptism. That's it. He hadn't done anything. Nothing dramatic. Nothing compassionate. Nothing powerful. Nothing heroic. Nothing amazing. He just was. And it was important enough for him to hear as the incarnation, as God become man, as God in our flesh, as God in our experience, that he hear, you are my beloved son. He heard that before he faced demons, devils, disease, or death. He heard it first. It was, it was his identity 
And it is essential that you and I not only follow Jesus into the waters of baptism and not only follow Jesus into vital contact with the Spirit, that we follow our Lord Jesus right into the affirming embrace of our Heavenly Father. He came as us for us. You are his beloved. It's not the finish line. It's not something you get awarded at the end. It's how you start. You begin by knowing you're fully loved. And finally, we know that God loves us fully because of why he came. The ultimate purpose for the atonement is he came fully human that he might fully redeem us. He has redeemed, he has brought back all of us bought back all of us. Now, when I say all of us, I don't just mean corporately like everybody. That's true, but a different application. When I say he has bought back, he has redeemed all of us, I mean all that makes us, us. All that makes me, me, he has redeemed. He sees me, all of me, my ins, my outs, my ups, my downs, my brokenness, my hopes, my dreams. He sees it and he has come for it. Yeah. Yes. And what I'm urging upon our hearts today is that we will see that and feel that. He sees you and he's come for it. Those who saw this in the text, as we read people who encountered Jesus in the Gospels, those who saw it, they broke through. Aren't you tired of living in routine? Breaking through to reality. I don't want to pick on my friend Mark, but he can handle it. In fact, he can more than handle it. Today during worship, we were singing, and it was, there was, everybody was singing, doing their fine. But then, just, just for a moment, I, it was like, hear me, Mark. It was like he'd had enough and he just let loose a holler of praise. That's it. That's the breakthrough. Everybody else in a crowd pressing around, being around Jesus, doing their routine, singing the same song. But one person said, no, I believe he came for all of me. He came for my brokenness. He came for me. And they, she pressed through and she got a hold of something. This is what I'm hoping happens, that we as a people can break through from routine and we can get a hold of reality. We can draw near to the one who came near. He came for your soul. He came for your mind. He came for your body. He came to renew and redeem your feelings and your thoughts and your blood and your bones and your memories and your dreams. This is one reason why healing and freedom and wholeness are right and true and noble. It's also why your health and your prosperity, they aren't extra. They're not eccentric. They're not irrelevant. No, your human experience is sacred. And it was never designed to be one of suffering and lack and pain. God hates suffering and he has not abandoned us in it. He became fully human so that we might know he sees us and knows us and loves us fully. We know this because God came near. Ultimately, the reason for the incarnation is the atonement. The atonement. Atonement. 
Have you ever said that out loud? Atonement and wonder what in the world does that theological word mean? At one meant. Why did God come near? Why did God come near? So that we could come near. To bring us near. The atonement. God became man to redeem us. Only he could. Only he did. Listen to how the scripture defines and affirms this. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 5. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption as sonship. He came near to bring us near. Not convinced? Hebrews 2, verse 17. For this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and high, a faithful high priest in service to God, that he might make atonement at one minute for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he is tempted, he is able to help. He is able to help those who are being tempted. Finally, hear this. Hebrews 10, 19 and following. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, we have confidence to enter the most holy place, the holy of holies. We have confidence to enter it by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, his flesh. Since we have a great high priest over the house of God, listen to verse 22. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and the full assurance of faith. He came near to love us fully, to bring us near. Let us draw near now. Ushers, will you please move among the house, serve the people, hold these emblems of communion. We'll receive them together in a moment. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make Oh, pray. 
I could sing of your love forever. 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 And oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. body of our Lord Jesus, represented to us this morning by this wafer, this physical symbol of a very real spiritual reality. Holding it in our hands, we can remember God became flesh, dwelled among us. He came near and he gave the entirety of his body for us to redeem the entirety of ours. May the body of the Lord Jesus Christ be to you today peace. May it be strength. May it be wholeness. May His holy influence, His healing virtue pass through every cell of your body today. We place no limits on what your loving power can do in our life today, Jesus. We come to you only with gratitude, thanking you for the power of your body, broken, given, offered for us. And we receive this wafer with thanksgiving, proclaiming your death until you come again. Let's receive. this cup of juice, which represents his blood that was poured out, we thank you that this delivers us, that your blood heals, delivers, restores, cleanses. Lord, we thank you that there's forgiveness of sins and that we are brought near. We thank you that we are fully loved. We thank you for your blood as we drink this juice together. And we are standing <clears throat> on holy ground. And I know 
he came near. Sing it again. We are standing on holy ground and I know that there are angels of the song of the Spirit in the room. Tossie, serenade His presence. Lift your voice and just bless the Lord for a few moments. Just honor Him. believe the Holy Spirit is here. Well, I've asked these here to be, to be prepared, please. And if you need healing, you need hope or breakthrough, would you come now? Would you draw near now? Let's believe God that he's here to meet with us this morning for healing, for hope, for breakthrough, for his hand of intervention in our life. Let's come even now. Would you come? And these, If you can't come or uncomfortable, so just lift a hand. We'll have an usher make sure a lanyard-wearing person comes and prays with you. But let's wait upon the Lord in prayer together.
stand and sing that chorus together. Hallelujah. 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 Oh Lord, we praise your name. All the glory, all the praise. Oh Lord, we praise your name. let you go if you need to go of course you can go to the cafe enjoy some more food we're going to continue just to be here in the presence of God if you want to wait upon the Lord where you are find a place across the front the Lord bless you remember he came near so you could draw near God bless you